Go ahead and find the book of Jonah. Go ahead and find the little book of Jonah. We finally got around to finishing Ruth last week, and so now we're going to plug away in Jonah. With you guys, I'm hit and miss. Sometimes I'm with you and sometimes I'm not. So when I'm with you, we will just uh, plan on just going right through, right through Jonah. And I realize we come to Jonah and there's a lot of uh, just perception that we already know everything in Jonah. It's one of those great stories that we, we hear mostly when we're children because it's an incredible story. But my prayer is that the Lord will show us some new things, some exciting things, and some things that we can really apply to our life uh, as we study together. So we're going to just be in Jonah chapter 1, looking together. Before we get in the text, Jonah means dove. That's what his name means. Uh, You remember the first time we see a dove is back in Genesis 8 when Noah sent the dove out from the ark. The dove came back and showed that the water had begun to uh, recede. And so it began to offer peace. And so many believe that the name Jonah is symbolic of the peace that that, uh, Jonah is to bring. He is to be an agent of peace. Now, he didn't quite live up to that. We know the ending of the story. However, that was the intent and the way that God was going to use him. Uh, Let's read together. Jonah chapter 1, just beginning in verse 1. The Bible says, Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and call out against it. For their evil has come up before me. But Jonah rose to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. He went down to Joppa and found a ship going to Tarshish. So he paid the fare and went on board to go with them to Tarshish, away from the presence of the Lord. But the Lord hurled a great wind upon the sea, and there was a mighty tempest on the sea, so that the ship threatened to break up. And then the mariners were afraid, and each one cried out to his own God. And they hurled the cargo that was in the ship into the sea to lighten it up for them. But Jonah had gone down into the inner part of the ship and had lain down and was fast asleep. So the captain came and said to him, What do you mean, you sleeper? Arise, call out to your God. Perhaps the God will give a thought to us that we shall not perish." Lord, we thank you for this time. Thank you for these who have come on a Wednesday night, God, to study your word. I pray as we look at it, God, that you will challenge us, you will convict us, God, you will give us comfort, give us peace where we need it, God, and that we will be more like you uh, from this time in your word. In Jesus' name, amen. It begins and it says, now the word of the Lord came to Jonah. When's the last time that you got a word from God? When's the last time that you can look at your life and you can say, the Lord spoke to me? Has it been this week? Has it been this month? Has it been this year? I believe one of the most difficult things for us as believers is to discern the voice of God in our lives. And I think it's ever increasingly difficult because we live in a culture that there are so many distractions all around us. Have you seen that? 
I think about my life, man, I will go from sitting in the office at a computer screen, and then somebody will send a text, and so I'll get on my phone screen, then I'll get home, and I need to do an email, so I'll get my laptop or my tablet out, and then it's time to relax, so we put the television on, and it's like I go from one screen to the next screen to the next screen. I never have silence in my life. I, I mow a few, a few yards on the side. And every time I mow, and you know what I'm doing? I've got the earbuds in. And I'm either listening to music, or I'm listening to preaching, or I'm listening to a podcast. There's always something that's going on. Anytime I'm doing anything, I've got something going on in my mind, and I, I never have this, this silent time. And maybe you look at your life, and you find that it's similar the TV's on, something's always going, and then we step back and we say, I have not heard the voice of God in a while, and we wonder why. Maybe it's because there's so many distractions, and we're always so busy, and there's always so many different things going on in our life. I was reading recently, and I, I remembered when the Lord spoke to Samuel. Let me just read it to you. You don't have to turn to it. The Bible says, then the Lord called Samuel. And he said, here I am, and ran to Eli and said, here I am, for you called me. But he said, I did not call, lie down again. And so he went and lay down. And the Lord called again, Samuel. And Samuel arose and he went to Eli and said, here I am, for you called me. But he said, I did not call, my son, lie down again. Now Samuel did not know the Lord, and the word of the Lord had not yet been revealed to him. And the Lord called Samuel again the third time. And he arose and he went to Eli and he said, here I am for you called me. And then Eli perceived that the Lord was calling the boy. And therefore Eli said to Samuel, go and lie down. And if he calls you, you shall say, speak, Lord, for your servant hears. So Samuel went and lay down in his place. And the Lord came and stood calling as the other time, Samuel, Samuel. And Samuel said, speak, for your servant hears. And then the Lord said to Samuel, Behold, I'm about to do a thing in Israel at which the two ears of everyone who hears will tingle. Can't you just picture it? Samuel is hearing from God, but he keeps running. He keeps running to man. And, and man says, I didn't call you. Go back and lay down. And finally, he has the proper response, which is, Speak, Lord, for your servant hears. Speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. There needs to be some times in our life where we are quiet before God and we say, Lord, would you please speak because I am listening. Lord, would you please speak? I'm not talking. I'm not praying. I'm not active. Lord, I am just in solitude before you and I'm listening and I need you to give me a word. That is absent in the life of most believers. Now, if you think about it, there are many, many ways in which God speaks. You say, what are some of the ways? I believe foremost, he speaks through his word. We open his word and he speaks to us. When we come together in a time like this, and I, it is becoming a thing in the past for people to attend church on Sunday night and Wednesday nights. Most churches focus only on the Sunday morning worship experience, and that is it for the week. And so I'm thankful for a church and for people who will come back throughout the week to hear from God through his word. 
God speaks through the preaching, the teaching, the proclaiming of his word. He speaks when you go home and you begin to read his word, but not just in the word. The Bible says God speaks through nature, doesn't he? Has God ever spoken to you through nature? Maybe you're driving home and you look up and you see the beautiful sunset and all of a sudden you're amazed at the work of God and God speaks to you. Maybe God speaks to you through a song. Maybe God speaks to you through another believer. Maybe a spouse, maybe a friend, maybe somebody that you just respect and you look up to. There are many ways in life that God speaks to us, but we must be listening. Remember God used a donkey, didn't he? If God can use a donkey to speak, there's a whole lot of ways that God can speak to you and to me in our life. Notice the word came to Jonah and it said, go preach against Nineveh because their evil has come up before me. Their evil has come up before me. It sounds a lot like it does with Solomon and Gomorrah. With Solomon and Gomorrah, we read that their evil had come up before the Lord. Can I just remind you of this? The Lord sees the evil in our life. It may be that we go through life and we think that we have fooled everyone around us. We've got sin, we've got uh, an evil uh, thought life, whatever it is that's going on, but we think we're okay because we can fool our spouse and we can fool our family and we can fool all the good people at church. They're easy to fool, but we will not fool God. We read that the evil of Nineveh had come to his attention, the evil of Sodom had come up to his attention, and every time there's evil in my life and in your life, God knows about it. Just because nobody else sees it, it does not mean that God has not seen it because he does. Now notice this. When God comes to you, he will often ask you to do something that you do not want to do. When God comes to you, he will often ask you to do something that you do not want to do. And many times the reason is because we think that we know better than God. If we're honest, we think that we know what is best for our life. God tells Jonah to go to Nineveh and preach. Now what is Jonah? He's a prophet. His whole life is built around preaching the truth of God. This should be an easy task for Jonah. This is what Jonah lives for. This is his opportunity. Jonah is to go out and fulfill his mission. But he doesn't want to do it. And the reason he does not want to do it is because Nineveh is the worst enemy of Israel. Nineveh is a wicked, dreadful place. They would go and they would take a city captive, and the way that they would torment the city was just incredibly bad. There are, in history, we can read about, about towns that would hear that Nineveh and Assyria was coming in, and just at the mention of them coming, the whole town committed suicide so they would not be under this torture. They feared the Assyrian Empire and the Assyrians were hated. Now, I don't want to get too graphic, but I think we can learn a lot to understand exactly how these people were. And so they would come in 
when they were taking a city captive, and as they came in, they would just bring death. As much death as they could. Then they would go and they would find the women that were still alive, and were told that they would go in and they would rape the women before they would kill them. And they would even do this to the children. And then they would go and they would take the men who were still alive and they would take them as prisoners of war. And they would take them outside the city and they would skin them alive. They would take the skin off of their body. And then they would bury them in the hot sand. Everything except for their neck and their head. And so you can imagine the skin would be off and the flesh would be open and that hot sand would be like sandpaper against the body. And the neck and the head would be the only thing above the sand. And then they would come and they would pull out the man's tongue and they would drive a stake through his tongue. They would pull it out as far as they could and drive a stake through it so the man could not swallow, he could not drink, and he would have this intense pain and this intense torture until he would die. Once he died, they would come in and they would take all the heads and they would pile them up outside the city as a trophy so that when people went by, they would see the work of the Assyrians and the destruction they would bring to this town. So if you think about Nineveh and this entire region, and this is where Jonah is told to go and to preach, you can understand that Jonah hated these people. Jonah despised these people. Jonah wanted nothing to do with these people. In fact, he tells us in chapter 4, verse 2, it says, and he prayed to the Lord and said, Oh, Lord, the reason he didn't go, Oh, Lord, is this not what I said when I was yet in my country? That's why I made haste to flee, for I knew that you are a gracious God and merciful, slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love and relenting from disaster. God, I know you're a gracious God. I know you're a loving God. I know you are a forgiving God. But these people... They don't deserve it. These people are awful. These people are worthless. These people are hopeless. I want to see destruction on these people. These people deserve destruction. And our day would be like this. You remember a couple years ago when ISIS was, was really uh, all in the news? And you would see on the news that they would take Christians and they would put them in these metal cages and they would burn them alive. You remember reading or seeing some of that? You remember seeing they would be on the shoreline and there would be a man all in black covering everything but his eyes. And they would be videoing and they would take a knife and they would cut a man's neck just to, to bring out the terror. It would be as though the word of the Lord came to you and said, go to those people and preach. Go to those people and preach. Their evil, their wickedness has come up before me. Go to those people and share the news that you have. Who wants to go? Who wants to sign up for that church trip? Let's go on this mission trip, right? Nobody's signing up. We, we don't want to go. 
And, and that's exactly where Jonah is. He says, Lord, I know this is what you want out of my life. I, I heard your voice and I heard it clearly, but you don't understand. These are bad people. They, they might kill me. They won't listen. They are evil. I don't want to go and I don't want to see them forgiven ever. And there's a lot of times in our own life that we know what God wants out of us. The problem is we just don't want to do it, right? There's times that we know that we've heard the voice of God. He has given us direction, but yet it's not something that we want to do. Let me give you some examples. Maybe in your life there is someone that's hurt you. Most of us have been hurt by someone, haven't we? And so there's someone that really hurt you. You loved them, you cared about them, but they hurt you and they hurt you badly. And so you're reading through the scriptures and you begin to read about forgiveness. Now, the Lord expects us to forgive. We've been forgiven greatly and so we're to forgive greatly, right? And so you're reading and all of a sudden you get convicted in your heart and you know that you need to forgive. But in your mind, you begin to play it out and you say, Lord, you don't know what they really did to me, right? Lord, you don't know how bad they hurt me. Lord, they do not deserve forgiveness. Lord, they have not asked for my forgiveness. And so we start playing it out and we know what God wants us to do, but since we don't want to do it, we end up finding excuses not to do it. Or maybe it's this, maybe you're reading, you hear a sermon and you know that the Lord wants you to be faithful in your giving. We're to be cheerful. We're to be generous in our giving. And the Lord speaks, and we know that. But at the same time, we look at our budget, and we say, this just will not work in my budget. There's just no way. If I take a tenth out of my budget, I'm not sure how I'm going to make it. And so we say, Lord, I know this is what you want out of my life, but I'm just not sure I can do it. I'm just not sure that I want to do it. Or maybe the word of the Lord comes to you and says, go out and evangelize. Share what you know with someone else. And we say, Lord, I'm too bashful. I can't do it. Maybe the word of the Lord comes to you and says, you ought to be teaching somewhere. You ought to be teaching adults. You ought to be teaching youth. You ought to be teaching wherever it is the Lord guides you to that. And you say, Lord, there's just no way. I don't have time. I'm not going to do it. The Lord says, you ought to be driving a bus. God bless you if you drive a bus of our kids on Wednesday nights because those kids are wild. And so you say, Lord, there's just no way. They would drive me nuts. They would drive me crazy. There's no way. And so there's all these different avenues that the word of the Lord comes to your life and says, this is what I want you to do. This is what I want you to do. This is what I want you to do. But if we're not careful, we always find an excuse and we always tell God no. And by the way, if we say, I'm going to do it later, that is still disobedience. Delayed obedience is the same as disobedience. Everybody in the world has a good intention. One day, I'm going to do it. One day, I'm going to make a difference. One day, I'm going to give back. But one day never comes for many of our lives. It's kind of like... Um, with our, with our kids. Did you ever do this? I did it at first, but I got over it pretty quick. My kids would be doing something, and I like giving spankings now. I really, it doesn't, it doesn't bother me. I enjoy that sometimes. But back in the day, 
I mean, those kids, they walked all over me for a little bit, you know. And they would do something, and I'd say, Mason, baby, don't do that again. And he'd keep doing it. I said, Mason, I'm going to count to three, and you're going to get a spanking if you do that again. And he'd keep doing it. Mason, one. Mason, don't make me get to three. If I get to three, I'm going to wear you out. Mason, one. (laughs) Mason, you better stop. One, two. Oh, Mason, don't make me get to three. Please don't make me get to three. Mason, you better stop. Two and a half. You know, and, and you never follow through. It, we're teaching our children delayed obedience. Imagine they're going out in the street. Don't go out in the street. I'm going to count to three. One, two, splat. You know, it, it just doesn't work. Delayed obedience is disobedience. You can tell the maturity of a believer with how quickly they respond to the word of God. As we mature in our faith, we realize that when the Lord tells us to do something, we do it immediately. Because if we don't do it immediately, we might just miss the opportunity. The Lord leads you to share your faith. You do it in that moment, you may not get another chance. The Lord leads you to a ministry, a class, whatever it is. Somebody else might take it if you don't, and then you're going to miss the blessings out of it. And so when the Lord leads us, we follow him on that. It says, but Jonah rose and he fled. He fled the presence of the Lord. What is Jonah running from? He's running from Nineveh, obviously. He's running from these wicked people. But the Bible says he's running from the presence of God. He's trying to get away from God. And so it seems as though Jonah believes if he just puts some distance between him and God, he'll get out of the presence of God. Like he can run away from God. And you know what's funny? We do that same thing sometimes. I see it all the time. People get upset. Something happens in their life. And you know what happens? They begin to separate from the church. Have you seen it? Maybe you've you've done it in your life, maybe. They begin to separate. All of a sudden, we don't go to our small group anymore. We begin just to sit a few weeks out. All of a sudden, we're not faithful to a Wednesday night or a Sunday night. We begin to soak it out. All of a sudden, we begin to stay home. And before long, we have separated ourselves from where we see God is. And we see God's in the church. But the reality is, and we know this through Jonah, you cannot get away from the presence of God. Says he went down to Joppa, he found a ship. Uh, so he paid the ferry, went down into it to go with them to Tarshish. That's hard for me to say. That word's hard. Anybody? Okay, I'm sorry. There we go. Away from the presence of the Lord. Here's, here's the next deal, okay? You can always find a ship going the wrong way. You can always find a ship sailing in the wrong direction. Have you ever done this? Have you ever tried to make a change in your life you know what my priorities have been out of line I'm going to really try to change the way that I'm living and all of a sudden that old friend from your past who you have not seen in 10 years he comes back and he says hey let's go out like we used to it's a boat that's traveling the wrong direction Or maybe you say, you know what, I have not been faithful in my giving. I know I need to. And so you make a plan to be faithful in your giving. And all of a sudden, you go to your mailbox, and there's this unexpected bill. And all of a sudden, it's not so easy anymore. 
Or maybe somebody says, I'm going to be more faithful to my church attendance. I've been skipping lately, and so I'm going to be more faithful. And so Sunday comes along, and it is the most beautiful day of the entire year. And all of a sudden, you've got a decision to make. When we try to follow the Lord and we try to be faithful, there's always going to be a boat sailing in the wrong direction. The word of the Lord comes to Jonah and says, Jonah, I want you to go east. But what does Jonah do? The opposite direction. He goes down to Joppa and he finds a boat. Jonah was on the run. Some of you in your life, you know what that's like to be on the run from God. We can be on the run. You say, on a Wednesday night crowd, it could be that you're in here right now and you're running from God. The word of the Lord came to you, told you to do something, and you said no. And it could be you've been saying no for a long time. Nobody knows it. The one sitting beside you doesn't know it. But you're running from God. You're running from what God wants out of your life. Or maybe it's not quite a run. Maybe it's just a drifting from God. You've been to the beach lately? We went last year to the beach. We had such a good time. I love the beach. We went out on the way out in the water, and I had one of these tubes. You know those just round tubes? And got on this tube, and I just propped up on the tube, and I closed my eyes, and you just hear the, the waves coming in and the wind. It is just so peaceful. And so I just lay there for about 15 minutes. And then I opened up my eyes. You know what I found? I had gone down probably four or 500 yards. I had drifted. I, I was out in the middle. We had a, you know, a little tent set up and our chairs and our stuff right here. And so I went right out and got on my little tube. Next thing I knew, I was way, way, way down here. I had drifted and didn't even realize that I had drifted. And so I had to drag that tube back and walk miles and miles up the sand. It was not much fun. In our spiritual life, we can drift without even realizing it. If we're not focused on God, if we're not dedicated, if we're not spending time with God, it may be that we just wake up one day and we realize it seems like God is way over there and here I am way over here. What happened? And a lot of times it wasn't that we made all these, these terrible decisions. It was just a little drifting, a little drifting. I didn't read my Bible Today, I didn't pay attention to my prayer life today. And so we just start to drift. And before we realize it, we've gone a long way from the Lord. We've got to go on here. I know we've got to hurry up. God may send a storm to get your attention. It says, but the Lord hurled a great wind upon the sea. And there was a mighty tempest on the sea that the ship threatened to break up. That storm is no coincidence. That storm is from God. You may look at your life, I may look at my life, and we may say, well, my sin is my problem. My sin is my problem, and it doesn't affect anyone else. Wrong. It's just not true, is it? The sin in our life affects those all around us. Don't kid yourself into thinking that you can drift away from God and you can live a life of sin and it won't affect those around you. Brother Charles is going through Joshua and we looked at Achan recently, Joshua chapter 7. Because of the sin of Achan, what happened? 
his family was destroyed. 36 men died in battle. They had nothing to do with the sin of Achan, but 36 men died in battle. And then they find out that the sin is in Achan. So the Bible says they take everything he's got, his, his children, his sons, his daughters, his family, and they take them outside the city. And what do they do? They, they, they stone them. Can you imagine if you are Achan and you turn around and you look at your children and you look at them in the eye and you know that they're about to be killed because of the sin that you committed? That's awful, isn't it? Or what about David? David with his sin with Bathsheba. What happened out of that? He lost a son. His sin affected his family. And the same happens today. You take a man who's an alcoholic and who pays the price? His family. Every time, his wife and his kids will never be the same because of it. You take a woman who's unfaithful to her husband, who pays the price? Her family. They'll never be the same. They will pay the price because of it. You take a, a dad who is obsessed with his job, he's obsessed with making more money, and that's all he lives for, who pays the price? His wife and his children. You take children who are living a life of rebellion, and they're going out and they're chasing after everything under the sun, and who pays the price? Parents, don't they? I pray with them. There's some parents I pray with all the time because they are so brokenhearted about their children who are living in rebellion. Our sin brings destruction, and it doesn't just bring destruction to our life. It brings destruction to those around us. And so we find Jonah, and he's on this boat, and there's these, these other men on the boat. But because Jonah's on the boat, the storm comes. You see, God can use storms in our lives, and he does to get our attention. You remember Saul? We don't have time to get into it. Saul on the road to Damascus, he saw a bright light. He lost his eyesight. He lost his vision because God was trying to get his attention. With the Israelites throughout the Old Testament, God would use their enemies in order to come in and to get their attention so that they would turn back to him. It said they were afraid, and each cried out to his God. So there's these pagan men. They don't know the true God, but all of a sudden they get religious, and they start calling out to their false gods. And the Bible says they hurled the cargo. They threw the cargo that was in the ship into the sea to lighten the load. They don't care about the money anymore. The, the storm is big. And so they're throwing everything over the boat. Well, look at what Jonah did. But Jonah had gone down into the inner part of the ship and had lain down and was fast asleep. The world is falling apart around him. The storm is raging. The boat is rocking this way and it's rocking this way. Everyone is scared for their life. And what's Jonah doing? He's taking a nap. You'll notice when you get to chapter 1 in Jonah, it talks about Jonah and his downward spiral. Okay? It says that Jonah went down to Joppa. He got on a boat. He went down into the boat. And then he fell down into a deep sleep. Jonah is going down, down, down in his life. And there is destruction all around him. But yet he's asleep inside the vessel. Now what's bad is, in a lot of ways, that's a picture of the church today. 
There's so much going on all around us. There's so much destruction all around us. There's so many people who are hurting. There's so many people who are trying to call out to their false gods the only things that they know. But in many cases, the church is inside the boat and we're just asleep. We're just taking it easy. We're just relaxing. Wake up. I got to wake up. We got to wake up. There's a world that is lost and they're going to hell and we've got the answer. We've got the solution. Wake up, oh sleeper. And we'll end with this. And so the captain came and said to him, what do you mean, you sleeper? Arise, call out to your God. Perhaps the God will give a thought to us that we shall not perish. Remember, what is Jonah? He's a prophet. He's a religious man. He's a prophet of God. This captain is a lost pagan. He doesn't know God. And so you've got this lost pagan coming to Jonah, who is a prophet, waking Jonah up and urging Jonah to pray. It shouldn't be that way. Jonah ought to be the one that knows what to do. Jonah's heard from the Lord. Jonah has a word from God. Jonah has experience with God. Jonah has wisdom from God. But he's wasting it. He's asleep. He's taking a break. The Bible says, from whom much is given, much is required. Jonah's a prophet. There's a great level that goes with that. For us, we've been given much. We've been blessed. We, we've had the, the word of God for our whole life, many of us. We know the truth of God. We know the scriptures. We know the gospel. And with that, much will be required out of our life. And so, so part of the, the return of the Lord is that he does not find us sleeping. We see that in the New Testament, don't we? That we're not sleeping. We're not just taking it easy. We're not just inside the vessel asleep while the battle is raging around us. And so it reminds us to wake up, to be active, and to get involved. So a few things, I know we've got to close up, a few things just to leave you with. When we hear from God, a lot of times it's going to be something that we don't want to do, but we're to be obedient. Obedience comes with faith. We trust God. We trust that he knows what's best, and we're faithful with that. We remember it's easy to find a boat going the wrong direction. The whole world is going the wrong direction. The easiest thing in life is to go with the world. But it takes a man and a woman of courage and faith to stand against the world and to go where God says to go. And that we would be people that we're not asleep, we're active because we know that there is work to do all around us. In your family, there's work to do. Your place of employment, there's, there's work to do. The people that God's placed around your life, there's work to do. Let's get active. Let's get busy and do what the Lord's called us to do. All right, let, let's pray together. And before we do, uh, do remember that uh, our Brother Charles and the group, are, they're traveling back traveling back from uh, their trip, and so they'll be traveling back late tonight, so let's keep those um, in our prayers, okay? Uh, as you leave here in a moment, there's a, a prayer list, believe that is up to date, and so pick that up, pray over those throughout the week, uh, a lot of, lot of requests on that, okay?
All right, let's take this to the Lord. Lord, we thank you for today. <clears throat> thank you again for these who have, who have come, God, tonight to, to study. Lord, I pray you've challenged us. Lord, I pray you've convicted us. Lord, I pray that as we go through the next days of our life, God, that we will listen for, for your voice in our life, that you will speak to us, and we'll be obedient. Lord, when you tell us to go to Nineveh, Lord, I pray we will. If it doesn't make sense, God, that we'll trust you. If we don't think these people are worth it, God, that you will change our vision and we will see people the way that you see people. Or that we won't be a people of slumber, but that we will be a people of action. Lord, let us to bring you honor and let us to bring you glory. Lord, I pray that you'll be with Brother Charles and our, our team coming back. Pray that you will give them safe travels as they come into town tonight. Lord, I pray you'll be with those who are recovering from surgery from last week, God, those who are sick, those who are hurting, God, the, the family problems, the financial problems, the marriage problems. Lord, I pray that you will have your hand because you know about each one of these. Lord, I pray that we will be a people who are committed to you and shine brightly for you. It's in your name we ask these things. Amen.